You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Hey, so it is Shredder Sunday. It is my favorite Sunday of the year, I think. I love Shredder Sunday, and, and I... Uh, if you know my story at all, you know that I showed up at this church, the, the biggest cynic in the world, like Oscar the Grouch was my spirit animal. And, um, and I just thought this was the cheesiest, lamest thing in the world. And I was like, are you kidding me? There is nothing more cheesy. But now I have, it has just become this, I love it so much. There is something so powerful about coming up here and, and shredding some stuff. And so the way this is gonna work is on your seat, there should be a little card um, that you can just write down some things on as I'm talking. The beautiful thing is I'll just think you're taking notes. I won't know that you're ignoring me um, and that you're thinking about yourself, so it'll be fine. I won't be offended. But just as I'm preaching, just ask God to to just bring some things to your mind that you want to leave behind in 2019. Maybe it's a doctor's diagnosis. Maybe it's some credit card debt. Maybe it's bitterness in your marriage or unforgiveness in a friendship. Maybe it's anything, your health, anything in the world that you want to leave behind in 2019. I want to just encourage you to write that down. And then at the end of service, Um, we're going to walk up to these shredders and physically shred that. And we're going to believe in faith that it's going to stay in 2019. The year 2020 is going to be different. But it's important to note that there's there's nothing special inherently about these shredders, okay? They're not from heaven. They're from Staples, okay? (laughs) They're like, they're not even really like that nice of shredders. They're just, they're just like, you know, just your run-of-the-mill shredders. There's no, there's no power in the shredders, right? And so if you just walk up here, write some things down, drop it in the, the shredding machine, the shredding machine rips it up into little pieces and go back to your seat, it's just gonna follow you into 2020, okay? There's no power inherently in the shredders, but it is a physical prompting that has the power, if you let it, to shift some things in the natural, in the supernatural, in the same way that lifting your hands in worship, like, this is not worship, right? Otherwise, every time a kid in class raised his hand, God would be like, hey, Gabriel, wait, I think someone's worshiping me at that elementary school, right? This is not worship. But what it is, is a physical prompting that spurs your mind and your heart to surrender more, to press in more, right? So same thing. This is, there's nothing powerful in the shredders, but there is something powerful about allowing that to to spur your mind, to understand your authority, your power that has been given to you by God to declare and pronounce. And so that's what we're actually going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about how we have been given the power and the authority to do things, to accomplish things, to all the things that you have written down. You actually have power over those things because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so I'm gonna spend a couple minutes just kind of teaching through that, um, and then we're gonna, um, we're gonna worship, we're gonna shred. It's gonna be powerful in Jesus' name. So I think um, sometimes this idea of, I know for me when I first came to this church, it was, a little weird, like that we can like speak to things and you know bind the forces of darkness and blah, blah, blah. and it sounds like Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings. It's like a little hocus pocus. I just don't. It seems a little hard to believe, but it's really actually it's not. And if you think about it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of teach through it here for a few minutes. It's actually a very rational, very logical thing. And there's a lot of things in our world that um, in our natural world, in the secular world, outside of Christianity, that really mirror 
how this principle works. And so we're going to look at um, something um, that happens at a wedding as kind of a little teaching tool. And we're going to use this analogy um, as, I, as I go. So every, I, I love weddings. It is like my favorite thing in the world. You're drinking somebody else's booze, eating somebody else's food. Everybody's dressed up. Love is in the air. It's like I love going to weddings. It's one of my favorite things. Actually, one of the hardest parts about getting older is that all your friends have kind of mostly gotten married. And like in your 20s, there's like a wedding every other weekend. It's just like, man, this is awesome. And now I'm just getting a little older. People aren't getting married as much. It's a little bit of a bummer. But I love weddings. And at every wedding, like 99% of them in the history of the world, you hear something that goes like this. Um, By the power vested in me by the state of California, I now pronounce you man and wife, you may kiss the bride, right? That, like, that is said, some variation therein is said at every single wedding. And if you've never even been to a wedding in your life, you've heard that because it's on movies and TV. Like that is a ubiquitous phrase in weddings. You say, by the power vested in me, by the state of California, I now pronounce you man and wife, right? And actually it's so interesting because the, the way that that works is exactly how we harness the power and authority given to us by God. And so we're going to kind of march through that statement and really just um, get our minds around how we can leverage the authority and the power given to us so that when you drop stuff into this shredder, it's not just a piece of paper getting ripped up. There's supernatural things shifting in your world, and you can be confident and know that your 2020 is going to be different in Jesus' name. So the title of my message is, By the Power Vested in Me. Come on, somebody. So, uh, by the power, that's how it starts, right? The minister says, by the power vested in me. And so, you know, if you have come to this church for any length of time, you know that, like, at our church, the word power is, like, every fifth word. Like, we talk about power all the time. The vision of our church that Pastor Jurgen and Leanne have is a church that is fresh, real, and powerful, right? You, we're a Holy Spirit power church. You hear power, 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 but, okay, great. What does that actually mean? What is it? Well, I'm very glad you asked. You see, actually, power is not um, mystical. It's not magical. It's actually physics, okay? I'm an engineer by trade. Power is something that we measure as engineers and scientists, okay? You know that if you have a my Ford Mustang Fastback GT350, it's got 585 horsepower, right? That's a, a unit of measurement about power. I think it's really bizarre that we still talk about how many ponies is equal to a car, but... That's another, I just, I'm not, I don't get it. But so, power, like, in physics, physically speaking, you didn't know you were going to get a physics lesson when you came to church today, did you? Is what we, we would define it as work per unit time. Work divided by time, okay? And work in physics just means a force applied across a distance. So, very simple analogy is, um, or example rather, is um, let's say that you're going to carry two bags of groceries up a flight of stairs, okay? You have just done work. In physics, we would say you did work because you applied a force over a distance. Now, it doesn't matter if you ran up the stairs or walked up the stairs, the same amount of work was accomplished. But power is work divided by time, work per unit time, how fast you can accomplish work. And so if you run up the stairs, you actually accomplish that work more powerfully. So whenever we say power at this church, whenever you read in the Bible about being powerful, about power, all it means in plain speak is getting stuff done really fast. 
That's it. Now, who in the world with that definition is not like, please, Lord God, give me some of that? Come on, right? And so there may be out of your own strength, maybe you could just get up at four in the morning, go to the office and grind it out until 9 p.m. and just over and over seven days a week. And maybe you could get your business to here. But by the power of God, he can bless your business and get all that done in an instant, right? And so that's why we want power in our life. And maybe, yeah, maybe you could grind out some of the issues in your marriage by, and and I'm all about biblical counseling and therapy. Katie and I have gone, I'm the biggest proponent, but maybe there's things that would take, you know, whatever, 50 weeks of, of an hour a week going to marriage counseling. God can accomplish the same amount of work in an instant because he is all powerful. So that's what power is, right? So this minister at a wedding says, by the power vested in me. So vested is not really a word that we use very often in uh, modern English language. Um, and if you're, we got a lot of Spanish speakers in here. So vested is the same Latin root word that we get the Spanish word vestir, which means to clothe, to wear, right? And so literally what this minister at a wedding is saying is by the power that I am clothed in. Okay? So it's not, the power is not, doesn't belong to him. It's actually been clothed around him. And there's a beautiful passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, verse 10. should be up on the screen behind me. And it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And so in this crazy way that is is hard to understand um, with our finite minds, there is in the supernatural realm, in the spirit realm, every single one of us that are in Christ, that are believers, that have been adopted into God's family, we wear this like supernatural Jesus jacket uniform in the spiritual where like things come up to you and they're like, oh man, he's got one of those Jesus jackets on. I can't believe it. I can't mess with him, right? And so we have this, we are clothed in power, clothed in salvation, clothed in righteousness. And so I live... um, down by the the amphitheater on Main Street, and I think it's called like the North Island Credit Union Amphitheater now. I don't even know. Like it changes names every other week. It must be the single worst business investment of all time because they've gone through like 50 names on the thing. Anyway, and so whenever there's a a big concert there, um, I come down Main Street and I make a left on Heritage. So that's that's how I. But then they've got all these cones, and there's normally police men and women there directing traffic, right? And uh, now, a policeman, policewoman, does not have the physical power to stop a car, okay? It's not like a car is driving and they just like, boom, on the bumper, like, no, it's not your turn. <laughs> but because of what they are wearing, people stop. And they get to say, you go, you wait, not your turn. Excuse me, sir, stop, get off your phone, buckle your seatbelt, go, right? They have authority because of what they're wearing, because of what they're clothed in. And so in this um, crazy way, the Bible describes that um, we are clothed in power, we are clothed in authority, that we are recognized in the supernatural realm, we are recognized by things that we need to speak to and address and pronounce and declare, and they see what we're wearing, and they're like, shoot, he's a got the Jesus jacket on. I got to say yes, right? And so the, the, uh, the minister at a wedding will say, by the power vested in me, 
by the state of California or by the city of New York or whatever, right? And the, the, the important thing to, to take note is that the power is not, doesn't belong to the minister, right? It has been transferred. The minister is simply an agent of that power that comes from a governing institution that has jurisdiction there. And so as believers... We are under the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. That is the governing authority that governs our universe. And so we can say by the power vested in me by the governing institution, which is the kingdom of God, we can accomplish these things. We can do work. We can make things happen. And it's not because the power is not yours, right? The power, you yourself, and I want to make sure that we understand that, that going into 2020, if you just go shred some stuff and say, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and try harder. <laughs> I did that for years. And all it, listen, when you, when you do that, that's called religion, by the way, um, and is direct contrast to the message of Jesus who taught relationship and that we are powerless and all of the work is accomplished by Jesus. If you have that attitude and you think that way, one of two things will happen. You either are super type A and you actually can. You actually can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get up at four in the morning, take a cold shower and go whatever and and just kind of make it happen, right? But then you just become so self-righteous because you look at other people and you're like, why can't you do it? Like, what's wrong with you? How come you can't fix yourself? Come on. Or you're like me, not type A, getting up at four in the morning, taking cold showers, and you're just perpetually frustrated because you just can't ever seem to make it happen. Maybe it's an addiction or a whatever, and you just, you just, you try, and you try, and all right, I'm going to do this this time. I'm going to do it better this time. And then it fails, and you just feel defeated and defeated and defeated, right? And so this is not mustering up your own power. It's understanding that you have been clothed in power and authority that does not belong to you. It has been transmitted to you by the God of the universe because of what was accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ. And I, um, if we use electricity is a good example, another physics example. You guys, I am a super nerd. I'm sorry. You're getting the brunt of my, my nerdery this evening. So electricity, if you have an electrical power source, okay, electricity moves from one place to another through a conduit, through a copper cable or some material that is conductive, right? And if you just see a copper wire on the ground that's not connected to anything, you're not worried about it. You can just pick it up. It's not energized. There's nothing dangerous about it whatsoever. But if that conductor, if that copper wire is connected to an electrical power source, it is energized. And if you touch it, you're going to get zapped, baby. So I used to do do a lot of work um, actually on... Um, electrical substations and power plants as an engineer. And um, they're, they're scary places. You can hear the hum of electricity buzzing around. And um, like if you take a tape measure and put it up in the air, you will literally get vaporized. There's 500 kilovolts zipping around. Like you will literally go from a human being to dust. You just don't exist anymore. Very, very, like so much power, so much energy flying around. I've had to do all kinds of safety training and things like that. And I remember this old man one time who's like just a rough guy, like been blue collar worker for years and years on these super dangerous places. And he said, um, he said, I thought it was so wise and insightful. He said, electricity is indiscriminate. It doesn't care if you have kids. It doesn't care if you're old or young. It doesn't care if you're even a human being or something else. It doesn't care. 
It is just trying to find the path of least resistance. Electricity is desperate to move from one place to another. And in the same way, the power of God is indiscriminate. It doesn't care if you've been a Christian for 35 years, if you've been a Christian for five minutes. It doesn't care how many teams you serve on at church. It doesn't care even necessarily the, the, the state of your life. Like even if you've got things you're working through, that doesn't um, exempt you from the power of God. The power of God is just looking for a conduit. And so I, for a question for us as we get ready to shred, as we get ready to go into 2020, is how conductive are you? How conductive is our church? How conductive am I? Have we positioned our life in such a way? Do we um, meditate on the right things? Do we, um, in such a way that we would be conductive, that God is able to move through us? Because again, the power of God is indiscriminate. God is saying, I need to get my power from here to here, and I'm just, I'm, I will use any conduit that I can that is highly conductive. There's a passage in Ephesians um, chapter one that we're going to read. I think it should be up on the screen. So this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus and I, I, out of the message version, I love the way that he kind of ties all of these principles together in this one passage. It says, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Remember, we're talking about the kingdom that has jurisdiction. He runs the universe. He has authority over everything. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. And here's the part that matters for us. Um, at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. And here's the statement. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. We, the church, you, me, we're the conduit. God says, you are what I will use to transmit my presence from heaven to earth. And so how conductive are we as a church? How conductive are we as believers? And so um, as the, uh, the minister at this wedding, um, and worship team, go ahead and join me as we, we come to a close here. So the, the minister at a wedding will say, by the power vested in me by the state of California, right? We got all that. Then he says, I now pronounce you husband and wife. So the only reason that he can pronounce is because of the power that's been vested in him by the state of California. And so what we, what we see from that is that the mechanism for the moving of God's power and his authority through us is that we pronounce, that we speak, that we declare, that we pray, right? And you, you, this, this, makes, this makes good sense, right? Just think about, go back to the policeman analogy on my, the corner going into my neighborhood, right? So what if the police officer were to uh, just go out onto the street corner in his uniform so we all recognize his authority and just, just post up on the street corner and just stands there? Hey, everybody. We all doing good? Good, good night, yeah gonna be a good show gonna be good like everybody at the stop signs would be like uh i mean do do i can i do i go he go what's it right because just because the police officer has the authority 
He's been clothed in that authority. Everybody around him recognizes the authority. That authority comes from the city of Chula Vista or the the California Highway Patrol, whatever. If he doesn't activate that authority by speaking, by declaring, by blowing his whistle, by making hand gestures, then all of that authority, all that power, even though it's there, stays dormant. And so speaking and declaring and praying and prophesying, those are actually the release valves of God's power. So you are storing God's power. It is in you. You are clothed in it. But it actually only gets out when we speak, when we pronounce, when we declare, when we pray, when we prophesy, when we use our words, our voice. And I think um, I'm kind of working this out. I don't know if I, don't quote me on this, but from what I've seen in the Bible, I would argue, again, not with 100% certainty yet or conviction, that almost every time you hear of someone praying, it's out loud. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? There's, and I would argue that um, from what I have seen, in your head stuff isn't actually prayer, it's meditation, it's a great thing. David said, on the law of the Lord, I meditate day and night. There's, a, there's an incredible place for meditation, but prayer is actually speaking out loud the promises of God over life, declaring um, to your situations the promises of God, the statutes of scripture, it's speaking and saying. And there, I'm gonna share one last story from, um, from the book of Acts, and this is, this is how you know the Bible's not made up, because this is just, this is crazy. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. Um, so uh, it's in Acts chapter 19, and, and uh, I'll set it up here really quick. The book of Acts is all about the spread of the early church. And so at the very beginning of the book, Jesus has uh, is resurrected. He meets with his disciples, and he says, hey, go to Jerusalem. There you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. Um, gives them kind of the, the great commission, and then ascends into heaven, right? And then the, the entire book of Acts is just about how the, the local church doesn't stay local for very long. It begins to just spread all throughout the Middle East. And so when we get to Acts chapter 19, um, the apostle Paul is traveling around preaching and doing all these miracles and actually says that Paul was so conductive, that he was so energized by the power of God that actually when people would just touch the hem of his garment or someone, which this kind of gross, someone would grab his handkerchief, like his snotty, handkerchief. It had like holy snot on it and they would get healed and they would get delivered. Like there was so much power buzzing around Paul that literally the stuff that touched him stayed energized. So this is where we pick up the story in verse 13. So these, these Jewish exorcists, so they're like professional supernatural workers, I guess, um, are like looking around, seeing what's going on. And they're like, shoot, there's a new sheriff in town. This is like our job, this is what we do. Like now there's some serious competition. We're supposed to be like the ones who do the supernatural stuff. And now this apostle Paul and Peter and all these guys are doing these crazy things. And so pick it up in verse 13, it says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And also there were seven sons, Skeva, a Jewish chief priest. This is really weird. There's like these seven brothers who have like a family exorcism business. It's pretty weird. Um, and they're just kind of like, shoot, we got to figure out how to up our game because Paul's doing all these crazy things. So like, well, every time he exercises a demon or every time he heals somebody, he always says, by the name of Jesus. So why don't we try that? And so 
in uh, verse 15, so we'll go back to, uh, it says, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches, and then jump to verse 15, it says, and the evil spirit answered and said, hmm, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Listen, if you ever get in a fight and you end up naked, you lost. Like real bad, okay? You can't even say, like, I got a couple good licks in there. No, no, no. You got your butt whooped really bad. And it's, it's a weird thing to say that I like what the, this demon said, but I do. I actually commend this demon. Because he said, uh, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? I don't recognize any authority on you. I don't see you clothed in any power. I don't see you wearing any kind of supernatural uniform. And so he took their pants and said, take that, right? And so you see what happened. This is a perfect story of what not to do. You see, they wanted the power and they tried to pronounce but they weren't willing to allow themselves to be clothed, to come under alignment with the kingdom of heaven, to submit to the lordship of Jesus, to acknowledge that outside of him, nothing can happen, right? And so they tried to get the power by pronouncing without any of the important stuff, without actually allowing themselves to be clothed and come under alignment. And so they got their butts whipped really, really, really bad. And I think it's interesting because this demon doesn't just say, Jesus I know, he also says, so Jesus I know and Paul I know. And so what we, what we hear from that is that this demonic force didn't just recognize the lordship of Jesus, he also recognized the mantle of a church leader. See, Paul was a church planter, an apostolic leader who was a, the head of a church movement. And he said, the demon said, you know, okay, so you're not under Jesus and you're not under Paul. Okay, And so then he beat them up and took their pants. And so there's something powerful about not just being um, you know, a Christian, not just being a believer, not just clothing yourself in the salvation that God provides, but also planting yourself in a church where God is moving, where he is outworking his power. The telling of the greatest story ever told happens through the local church. And so prayer is um, probably the primary Mechanism, the thing that we use the most to speak and declare and, and, to, and to, to be this release valve of God's power. And listen to me, prayer is not a spiritual gift. It's not that some people are just kind of good at it and some people are, it's actually a skill. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, which implies that you can get better at it. It's like the disciples were like, hey, listen, Lord, we really suck at this real bad. We would like to do better. Can you teach us? And Jesus was like, yeah, don't pray like this. Instead, pray like this. Prayer is a skill that you get better at. And so every Tuesday morning right out there in the foyer, we have men's prayer where men learn how to pray. On Thursday mornings at 7 and 9 a.m., we have a women's prayer where women learn how to pray. And it's, um, and again, prayer is something that you get better at, you improve at. The more you pray, the better you will be at praying, right? It's just, it's, it's, that's, it's not a gift, it's a skill, right? So you get better at it. And so when we um, have men's prayer uh, on Tuesday mornings at 5.30, we always start the first 10 minutes with something that we call God stories. Just like, hey, can we just kind of share 
something awesome that's happened over the past week that just encourages people's faith, some supernatural thing. Maybe it was a, some kind of business thing that, that was, was so unexpected. Maybe it was a, you know, a, a supernatural healing or whatever. And, and this was just like last Tuesday. This, I'm not giving you the highlight reel of like all of 2019. These are just the God stories that were shared last Tuesday. There's a couple in our church that um, has had the word barren spoken over them and just felt like there was, that there was something that they just weren't gonna be able to conceive. And this man, this husband, was at uh, men's prayer and actually was um, asked to pray over the children of C3 Church, even though he didn't have children yet. And he said that as he was praying, he physically felt this shift and this breaking of this word barren over his life. It left. And then listen to this. He said he went home and they conceived. And my favorite part of that is if I got the story right, he went home right then. Like, so at 6.30 in the morning, just kick the door down. It's like, baby, brush your teeth. We're making a baby. Come on. That was just last Tuesday. We had um, another uh, another uh, guy saying that uh, that his, I can't remember, I think it was like granddaughter or something had um, was diabetic and had fallen into a diabetic coma. And then he said, like, because of learning how to pray, he was able to go in with some of his men into that hospital room with power and authority and declare healing over her in Jesus' name. And she was responsive. She came out of the coma because men know how to pray. They are awakened to the skill of being how being a good, effective prayer warrior, right? Another man that... Uh, that was uh, struggling with, with finances. And I've, I've seen him pray week after week after week for breakthrough in his finances, for God to shift something in his finances. I was really struggling with, with tithing and giving and you know, da, 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 and then shared this story. And again, this is not the highlight reel of, this is just last Tuesday, okay? And said that he received a check from an unexpected source that was equal to an entire year's salary. And I'm telling you, When you pray, things happen. I, I just don't, I don't know. I've, I've gotten, I just can't, I can't rationalize it any other way. Like when you pray, things happen. We need to be a church that is passionate about learning the skill of praying. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a man in here, this Tuesday, New Year's Eve, we're going to show up out there and we're going to pray our hearts out. We're going to declare over our families faith in Jesus' name. We're going to declare restoration over our businesses, over our health, over this church, over this city. We're going to pray that there's miracles and signs and wonders in this church. We're going to pray that men and women of San Diego get saved, that we turn a city upside down. Jesus mighty name we're gonna be a people of prayer in Jesus name and uh, the reason that I'm so passionate about this is because it has changed my life you know if you were here last 5 p.m. you heard Pastor John Heinrichs the hammer pray or uh, uh, preach with just this tenacity about physical healings because he experienced he was dying of kidney failure like literally, he was this 30-year-old, super healthy NCAA baseball player. And, and they were like, hey, do you have a will? Because you're, you're dying. But then he was healed supernaturally. And so he has he, he's had such a revelation about the healing power of God. And in the same way, I am so passionate about the power of prayer because it has shifted everything for Katie and I. And I remember um, a few years ago, there was a, a guest speaker that came here and he um, talked about uh, 
just to, I got to catch up with him in passing after he spoke and he just was like, yeah, you know, me and my wife, we, we pray together every single day and it doesn't matter uh, if I'm in Australia, she's in America, whatever, we, we get on the phone, time zones, don't care. We pray together every single day. This was a few years ago and I remember at the time that just felt like the most insurmountable thing. It just, for some reason, just seemed so hard to like, that me and Katie could, could actually pray together every single day. And then uh, a few years ago, um, there was some men um, of South Campus at the beginning of the year that did this fast. And every morning of the fast, they met here at this building at 5.30 in the morning. And at the time, Katie and I were living in Oceanside. We moved to Oceanside so that we could build a house in Chula Vista. So for nine months, we lived in Oceanside and did church down here, did connect group down here. And so these guys invited me, said, hey, do you want to come down and pray at 5.30 in the morning here at the church? And I was like, I live in Oceanside, guys. That's, whoo. But I was so desperate and hungry to see God move things in my life. I, I didn't quite understand, but God was prompting me and I knew that there was something waiting for me. And so I didn't go every day. I couldn't make it five days a week, but for months, I showed up two to three days a week driving from Oceanside. I'd get up at four in the morning, drive all the way down to the foyer of this building. We would pray over our families, our businesses, this church. Then I would have to drive to Mission Valley to work in traffic. It was like a three hour morning routine for me, but I was so hungry and passionate to, and desperate for God to move. And then he did. And listen, I've got a million character flaws. There's a lot of things about myself that I would not want to pass on to you. But one thing I can say confidently is that I am a man of prayer, that God has, has given me a revelation about the power of prayer. And Katie and I, and now we, we fast forward and we pray together every single day, every day. And if we don't, for some reason, something's crazy, we miss in the morning, we feel so off that we'll get on the phone and be like, we gotta do this on the phone. We pray together every single day. It has become such a staple in our life. And we at South Campus of C3 Church are gonna be a people that pray. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 